Welcome back to Miss Johnsy Johns. Thank you for allowing me to rescue you away into story time. I'm glad you're here today. Thank you for joining me. As I record today, it is a crisp, cold, and sunny day after many days of cold and rain. And I thought I would pick an appropriate poem to begin with, written by one of my favorite poets, Alfred Lord Tennyson. His poem, Winter. The frost is here, the fuel is dear, and woods are sere, and fires burn clear, and frost is here, and has bitten the heel of the going year. Bite, frost, bite. You roll up away from the light, the blue wood louse and the plump dormouse, and the bees are stilled and the flies are killed, and you bite far into the heart of the house but not into mine. Bite, Frost, bite. The woods are all the searer, the fuel is all the dearer. The fires are all the clearer. My spring is all the nearer. You have bitten into the heart of the earth, but not into mine. And now a fairy tale by the Grimm brothers, Jacob and Wilhelm Grimm. I have chosen today one you probably have not heard called the Queen Bee. Two kings' sons once started to seek adventures and fell into a wild, reckless way of living and gave up all thoughts of going home again. Their third and youngest brother, who is called Whitling and had remained behind, started off to seek them and when at last he found them, they jeered at his simplicity and thinking that he could make his way in the world while they, who were so much cleverer, were unsuccessful. But they all three went on together until they came to an ant hill, which the two eldest brothers wished to stir up, that they might see the little ants hurry about in their fright and carry off their eggs. But Whitling said, Leave the little creatures alone. I will not suffer them to be disturbed. And they went on farther until they came to a lake where a number of ducks were swimming about. The two eldest brothers wanted to catch a couple and cook them. But Whitling would not allow it and said, Leave the creatures alone. I will not suffer them to be killed. And then they came to a bee's nest in a tree, and there was so much honey in it that it overflowed and ran down the trunk. The two eldest brothers then wanted to make a fire beneath the tree, that the bees might be stifled by the smoke. And then the brothers could get at the honey. But Whitling prevented them, saying, Leave the little creatures alone. I will not suffer them to be stifled. At last, the three brothers came to a castle where there were, in the stables, many horses standing, all of stone. And the brothers went through all the rooms until they had came to a door 
at the end secured with three locks and in the middle of the door was a small opening through which they could look into the room. And they saw a little gray-haired man sitting at a table. They called out to him once, twice, and did not hear. But at the third time he got up, undid the locks and came out. Without speaking a word, he led them to a table loaded with all sorts of good things. And when they had eaten and drunk, he showed to each his bedchamber. The next morning, the little gray man came to the eldest brother and beckoning him, brought him to a table of stone on which there were written three things directing by what means the castle could be delivered from its enchantment. The first thing was that in the wood under the moss lay the pearls belonging to the princess, a thousand in number, and they were to be sought for and collected. And if he who should undertake the task had not finished it by sunset, if but one pearl were missing, he must be turned to stone. So the eldest brother went out and searched all day. But at the end of it, he had only found 100. Just as was said on the table of stone came to pass and he was turned into stone. The second brother undertook the adventure the next day, but it fared with him no better than with the first. He found 200 pearls and was turned into stone. And so at last it was Whitling's turn and he began to search in the moss. But it was a very tedious business to find the pearls and he grew so out of heart that he sat down on a stone and began to weep. As he was sitting thus, up came the ant king with 5,000 ants, whose lives had been saved through Whitling's pity. And it was not very long before the little insects had collected all the pearls and put them in a heap. Now, the second thing ordered by the table of stone was to get the key of the princess's sleeping chamber out of the lake. And when Whitling came to the lake, the ducks, whose lives he had saved, came swimming and dived below and brought up the key from the bottom. The third thing that had to be done was the most difficult, and that was to choose out the youngest and loveliest of the three princesses as they lay sleeping. All bore a perfect resemblance each to the other and only differed in this, that before they went to sleep, each one had eaten a different sweetmeat. The eldest a piece of sugar, the second a little syrup, and the third a spoonful of honey. Now the queen bee of those bees that Whitling had protected from the fire came at this moment and trying the lips of all three, settled on those of the one who had eaten honey. And so it was that the king's son knew which to choose. Then the spell was broken. 
everyone awoke from stony sleep and took their right form again. And Whitling married the youngest and loveliest princess and became king after her father's death. But his two brothers had to put up with the two other sisters. The end. The north wind doth blow. Robin. Hmm. Swallow and children. This time, Robin. Swallow and children. Because you know this is kind of a long song. The north wind doth blow and we shall have snow. And what will the robin do then, poor thing? He'll sit in his barn and keep himself warm and hide his head under his wing, poor thing. The north wind doth blow and we shall have snow. And what will the swallow do then, poor thing? Oh, do you not know that he's off long ago to a country where he will find spring, poor thing? The north wind doth blow and we shall have snow. And what will the children do then, poor things? When lessons are done, they must skip, jump, and run until they have made themselves warm. Poor things. I know some poor things that probably are playing outside today. Hmm? Do you play at school in the cold? And you do, you skip, jump, and run to keep warm? Probably, I hope so. It's actually very good for you. I wanted to finish this episode today with um, a song, another song from that was written during the American Civil War. It is a hymn called Down to the River to Pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, brothers, let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, children, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, children, let's go down, down to the river to pray. As I went down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear 
the starry crown good lord show me the way oh sinners let's go down let's go down come on down oh sinners let's go down down to the river to pray. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the variety. And um, we'll join you again next time for Miss John Z. Johns. Bye.